Borderlands is back. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of the four new playable Vault Hunters, each with deep skill trees, abilities, and customization. Play solo or with your friends to take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Mayhem is coming September 13th on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now to receive the Gold Weapon Skins Pack at Borderlands.com. What <laughs> is up? Hello, Effers. I'm your host, Internet Keith, and welcome to episode 12 of Football and Other F-Words. Uh, today, we're going to be going through a little bit of NFL news. We're going to talk about what you might expect to see from the new OC and DC of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and then, finally, we've trashed Jacksonville, we've trashed Houston, we have one final stop on our uh, Trash Talk Express and this pain train is rolling into Indianapolis. Let's do it. Uh, as some horses. <laughs> as is tra- Jesus, Huxley. <laughs> um, as is tradition, I am joined by a man whose favorite Star Wars quote and his favorite run player, the same thing. It's DJ EJ. Do you know what it is? No. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also got here the next big thing, just like Christian Hackenberg. Zach Lyons. I'm working on some uh, lyrics to go over the theme song, and I'm going to have uh, DJ EJ's wife sing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but Well, if they're as, half as good as your rap lyrics, then yeah. people are going to be fast-forwarding. Oh, fast-forwarding <laughs> trying to get to the song. Maybe rewinding. I'm, I'm efforting getting uh, Cole Beasley to do the wide receiver corner. Yeah. So. I think you might do it. He's, I think you probably would. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, it's Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, fresh Domo. off of his Styx concert. It's Mike Miracles. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, interesting. Is that where the vodka went up your butt? It is, indeed, actually. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I need to explain that a little bit. <laughs> no, well, on. I just explained it. <laughs> moving it's, on. Pretty, it's pretty self-evident. <laughs> It was an unfortunate snug, smuggling uh, vodka into a concert accident that left. What? Did you sleep? What are you doing? He's unplugging stomach. And now he's barking at it. <laughs> I think he might have got some vodka in the butt. Right? You didn't just to be just to clear things up. You didn't oh, pour vodka bomb. into your butt. No, it accidentally fell in there. You had a, a flasky flask, and it came undone and ended up there. <laughs> yeah, it was like a not a real flask. It was like a bottle container of sorts, and it just kind of came undone and started running. <laughs> it was awful. Right down his butthole. Yeah. <laughs> Right down to Baker Mayfield. I still have so many questions, but we're going to move on. I still have more questions, too. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we don't have Mr. Lebowski here to, to heckle you for that. Um, but anyway, he's still a, to- he's a real Tony Baselli. Yeah. I just yeah. have to say. He's so he's, Tony Baselli. so Baselli. Um, as always, today's podcast is brought to you by an F word, and today's F word is forged. As in, hashtag Colts forged is hashtag stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Makes let's, zero sense. Right? Let's, let's talk about some stuff that does make sense. Let's get to... Uh, our ad read for the week. <laughs> nice. Time. This podcast is, of course, brought to you by ForTheBills615.com. Eric Murphy brings you the best and softest shirts for the best city of Nashville. 
And all orders over $100 get free shipping and portions of each sale donated to the Nashville Predators Foundation. Run and tell all of the angels, this old shirt's a fright. Think I need Murphy to help me get things right. Jesus Christ. My closet needs a new revolution, cause it's all filled with lies. I lice. sit around it's waiting to be for that oh. or shit to buy. Now I'm looking for this guy to save me. Looking for a shirt for life. Looking for something help me stand out bright. Did you do the whole song? Now I'm looking for a fabrication. Oh God. Looking cause I'm tired of trying. Make my way online for the Ville 615. Huxley loved it. <laughs> he couldn't stop barking. I think uh, for the Ville 615 may need to start paying us more. <laughs> I yeah, definitely but, yeah. think they should. Especially if they start using that in commercials. Absolutely. That- I like the Kenny G sound of cover of, of it. <laughs> It was very relaxed. Yeah. It's a little bit sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> um, so let's get to some news. Uh, first things first, um, let's get to people who are, are not playing with well with others. Let's get to the holdouts. Let's start with uh, someone who seems like he's been holding out for years, uh, Le'Veon Bell. I think he's still on his first contract from when he was in college, but it's just been a ten-year contract, and he right. holds out every year. I mean, get well, get real. He just still is. He still is actually on. His is he really? Deal. Yeah, because yeah. he uh, was franchise tagged. I yeah. think last yeah. year, and then uh, did they franchise him again? And he's just holding out. Yeah. Is that what happened? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how much did he get paid? Like fourteen million. Yeah, he's going to get a, a bunch this year. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that's enough for one year for a running back. Yeah. yeah who for sure. gets five hundred touches a, a season, and that's not going to last. His body's not going to last long, so I understand him trying to get all the money now, but sure. you're getting a lot of money for a running back. Yeah. yeah. And he, it seems like the Le'Veon Bell holdout is like a tradition of every offseason now. So, yeah. yeah. I'm glad it's here. I hope yeah. it's here next year, too. Well, it's, it's a better Steelers tradition than the terrible towel. Well, oh, 100%. I was easily. reading someone, and someone goes, uh, You hate to hear news when in the offseason about the Steelers because every time you do, it's an injury. And apparently, Juju Smith Schuster's having problems, and so oh. is Antonio Brown. Oh. Like, it's not looking good for them. I mean, if that's going to be the start of their season, especially yeah. with Le'Veon holding out. Yeah. And Big Ben's retiring or feuding with yeah. backup quarterbacks constantly. Because <laughs> he's a big old bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the next uh, guy is also running back. We've got David Johnson. I'm he's just kind of surprised by that one. But then I realized that he was three seasons in. Yeah. And, I mean, well, he's complete three seasons. But I didn't think he had a fourth. I didn't understand the he, four years. He so, had like his third round, wasn't he? Well, yeah. So he's only on a four-year rookie contract. Oh, okay. I so, thought they only did three years after the second round. No, it's four years for everybody except for first round. Gotcha. But, wow. um, yeah, so David Johnson, he's kind of weird because he didn't really play his rookie year. Like, yeah. hardly any. I mean, he got a little bit of run. He was doing kickoff returns. I think returns. it was like six, 700 yards and a couple touchdowns. Yeah, and Who he was played. he behind? Was he behind Hightower? Or, uh, yeah, I think it was no, Hightower. No, it wasn't Hightower. It was Ellington, right? 
No, it was yeah. someone actually really good because uh, that person was leading some rushing too. Was it? I can't. I can't. I honestly, I can't I'll remember. look it up. Y'all All talk. Right. But uh, yeah, so he hardly played his rookie year. He kind of like started to semi break out at Chris, the end of the year. Chris Johnson. Played oh, that year. Okay. No, someone got injured, and then Chris Johnson came in. Okay, I think that's right, but yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so he barely played his rookie year, and then his second year he broke out and was insanely good and took over as like a superstar. But then he was hurt all of last year, so he's really only got like one year of actual like production under his belt. So I can see where he's coming from because he's heading into the last year of his rookie contract. He's still not making anything on that right. kind of deal. He's probably making, what, maybe a $2 million max per year um, for this year. So he's not making any money. He's... Obviously, got to try to take care of himself. He's better than his contract is, but on the other hand, the Cardinals are got to be sitting there going, "Hey, you've had one one good year. You know, show me a little bit more before we're gonna come out and pay you big bucks." Especially right. as a running back yeah. coming off of an injury and already getting an injury that little week that he had one right before he went on this little you know tantrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Andre Ellington went down, but Chris Ellington. Johnson. Okay came in to take over the lead back role, and he was complimentary. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump over the defense uh, with something that's been kind of like the main story of the offseason, seems like, uh, the Aaron Donald holdout. We all knew it was coming, and we knew that Sue getting hired by the the Rams was going to make this a lot more difficult, and defensive players are getting paid a, a, a shit ton, and... He is the best defensive player in the game, and he knows that he has them by the balls because if he doesn't yeah. show up, that is a totally different defense. It does not matter that you have Sue right there. Right. Mm-hmm. That defense is Aaron Donald. Yeah. You already lost uh, Robert Quinn. Mm-hmm. Then you have Alec Ogletree's gone, so it's it's down to him and Sue to, to help out everywhere else. And if he's not there, I mean, he's, he's making the right play right. for sure. Yeah, I mean, Donald... I'm kind of shocked that the Rams haven't already taken care of this because he's the best defensive player in football, period, regardless of position. He may be the best position player in football if you don't count the importance of quarterbacks. I mean, like from an impact on the game, nobody's making a bigger impact outside of quarterbacks. I would say value of a replacement. He's definitely. And they they had the chance to do this last offseason, and we'll get into teams who should have done stuff last offseason. Yeah. But they are definitely ones that should have done it last offseason and got this wrapped up long-term when they, A, had better cap space than what they have now, and B, didn't have Sue, again, eating right. up a chunk of their cap. And one thing, another holdout, we'll kind of transition into him, but uh, Khalil Mack yeah. holding out for the Raiders. I mean, he's the only – he may be the, like, next guy behind Donald. Like, I feel like it's like Donald – and then Von Miller, Khalil Mack right yeah. there, uh, kind of as number two as far as the best defensive players going right now. Yeah. And he's holding out too now. So I feel like whoever gets to the contract first, the other guy is going to want to match it or beat it. Yeah. Right. And so I almost feel like it's almost uh, – for them, do, it's do you, a waiting game. They kind of want to go second here. Do you, if, do you think that's kind of what's holding up the Rams from signing him? Do you think they want to, but – Donald is like, I want to get the best contract that possible. definitely could yeah, be. Yeah, that very well could it, be. I mean, if I'm John Gruden, I'm donating part of my $100 million salary <laughs> to fucking pay Khalil Mack. Right, because no if he kidding. leaves, that team is toast. Oh, yeah. If he leaves, that defense will give up 40 a game. Yeah. I mean, like, it would be a sieve. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so let's let's move on to a defense that is rapidly deteriorating. Um, the Seahawks, are, of course, have their Oof. what seems like their last defensive player on the roster holding out, yeah. Earl Thomas. It's yeah. him and Camp Chancellor. I don't know if I can name another. Well, Bobby Wagner would be the only. Yeah. That, that's the Bobby. only three I can remember beside that are starters yeah. that are left over from a couple seasons ago because everybody knows Shaq Griffin yeah. and right. whatever his brother's name is, Mister Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Griffin. That's it's, what, it's Shaquille and Shaquem. Yeah, so that's what they're that's, both Shaq. We're only referring to him as Mr. Griffin. <laughs> Mr. Griffin. Right Mr. Griffin. Um, we already talked about Khalil Max. Is there anything you guys wanted to add on that? The Khalil Mack, no. I mean, he is the best linebacker in the game, and I really hope that some of these deals do not get done or they it just creates such tension mm. that they have to make drastic moves because I want – all these players. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want Earl Thomas. I want Khalil Mack. I want uh, Aaron Donald. I mean, give me a break. I, I mean, pay these guys. Yeah. And another pay these guys, I'm going to steal your uh, transition here, Go ahead. is Taylor Lewan. Yeah. Pay the man. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get big man his money. Get I mean, daddy his money. I well, mean, every- well, I'm just worried that somebody's missing out on a Fortnite buddy. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta watch out for that. Well, uh, Will Compton, just Will Compton's out there on yeah. his own, running those lonely streets. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that Titans fans <laughs> as a whole want them to pay. I mean, I was on A to Z Sports watching their live broadcast talking about it. Everybody's like, "Pay the man, pay the man, right. pay the man." We did a poll. Everybody said a five-year, eighty-something million-dollar deal with. I think I had it like sixty-six or seventy percent guaranteed. Right. That's one by landslide. Yeah. Everybody in Nashville knows you pay Taylor Lewan. Yeah, yeah. They've been negotiating for five to six weeks. Why can't they get five to six weeks done for a contract? I, yeah. That's I proposed that in our little group chat on Twitter with uh, other notable media people in is the it, Titans facility. Is it possible that he wants to just be only paid in Bitcoin and sombreros or something like that? That, that would be awesome possible. if he was the first Bitcoin paid player. <laughs> that would be right on brand with Luan, too. So. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's a no-brainer guy to pay. His, I mean, he's if he's not the best left tackle in the game, he's in the top three, maybe, Yeah, yeah. and it, only getting better. Um, right. He's... I, I, and then you got Zach Martin getting paid right yeah. smack dab right before you try to pay Taylor Lewan. Uh, yeah. I know he's a guard, but, but still an offensive lineman. I right. mean, you keep waiting. They should have paid Taylor Lewan last year, bit him in the ass, and here we got Norwell getting paid big. Yeah. Right. And then here comes freaking um and then you had Solder. Solder really fucked us. Yeah. That that's his position. Yeah. He's four years older than Lewan. And he got like thirty five million guaranteed and like fifteen million per year, which set the market at left tackle, right. which is insane. Because yeah. you think about guys like Trent Williams and Tyron Smith that are like just star left tackles that already got their deals yeah. done. He beat all that, and Solder's not that good. He's no. good. <laughs> He's way better than anything that Giants yeah, have had in like. I think a decade, that was but, an overreaction to how bad Eric right. Flowers was. Yeah. yeah, but Solder's fine. Like yeah. he's like top. 15, is he going to be good maybe. without? The Patriots just lack yeah. it, or just the Patriots have consistency. Yeah, that's the Giants don't have that, so I don't know. The uh, big thing with me is uh, again, I'm going to bring up A to Z Sports, but they talked about is PK Subban the Nashville athlete or is Marcus a Nashville athlete? I'd make the argument the face of Nashville is going to be Taylor Lewan. I know that seems really odd because it's an offensive lineman. He has the personality. Yeah. He's at the Predators games. He's involved in the community. 
that's your face of the franchise right there. And it's weird that an offensive lineman is your face of your franchise. Yeah. But another reason to pay this guy who has a noticeable mug. I mean, um, <laughs> people recognize him anywhere and yeah. everywhere. They recognize his voice. Marcus could probably slip into a crowd Depending on what PK's wearing, he could probably slip into a crowd. He's wearing a big, you know, cowboy hat and red cowboy boots or whatever he wears. <laughs> I, Taylor Lewan could just go up in gym clothes somewhere, and people are going to know that's Taylor Lewan. Well, he's also the size of like a refrigerator. Yeah. But yeah. he's got that. He's got the mustache. He's got the voice. He, he does have, and and he's also he's getting treated like a star by yeah, like the NFL media too because you see him on. Like, I saw him today. They did, like, this goofy thing where they did a soccer, yeah. pick your soccer team thing. And he, he was, was hilarious. He was in that. I mean, he, and he's Dan super Patrick, funny. Or not Dan Patrick, or Rich Eisen Rich loves Eisen having him, yeah. him on the show. He's, that is your face of the run. franchise. Yeah. And that's your face of Nashville sports, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you got you to gotta sign him. It's only getting more expensive because, like, Zach Martin got $40 million guaranteed. Yeah. So that's now the floor. Like, you can't pay Lawan less than $40 million guaranteed. Not less than a guard. No, right. it's, it's never. Because he's the left tackle. It's yeah. never going to be cheaper to sign him than it will be right <laughs> no. now. Right. Especially if they keep waiting. Yeah. yeah. So um, get it done. Get it done. And, Speaking- and before we move on, we should have got it. Like, I, I agree with Zach. We should have got it done last offseason if we could have. Now, we don't know if yeah. the Wands people didn't want to negotiate last offseason because they wanted to double down and bet on this year yeah. being good like it was. Bet not himself. But uh, I will give the Titans a lot of credit for signing Jarrell Casey before. Yep. Oh, my they God. Got, they got him so uh, cheap. Yeah, before they got Donald's deal and everything else. Because, you know, Casey isn't quite in Donald's class, but he's not far off. Like he's right. in that next tier. Right. And if you let Donald set the market at like twenty five million a year or whatever he's gonna end up getting, which is probably about right. You gotta get you've close. You've gotta get close with yeah. Casey. So, you know, they probably saved themselves five or six million a year by signing him Easily. when they did. Yeah. So Props to J-Rob on that. Speaking of uh, Titans, I don't know how much you want to get into all this, but let's talk about Kevin Dodd and the recent The thing about Kevin Dodd that I I want to throw out there is that he told the coaches why he wasn't going to be there. That's all that matters. I know that everybody has this, you know, curiosity. They have this need to know everything. That's the kind of age that we live in where everybody has to know everything about everybody. It's it's going to be okay that we don't know everything about Kevin Dodd. If you're a professional, I think that antagonizing Dodd and taking videos of Dodd and trying to smear his name in front of the head coach and other players on his team is a little much. I yeah. mean, again, A to Z Sports, Austin Stanley posted a video saying that Kevin Dodd was avoiding the media by standing 20 yards away, (laughs) watching his team practice and go through drills with other players. And then the whole thing about him walking through, ignoring the questions and not acknowledging them, Arakpo did it. He didn't acknowledge anybody. Derek Morgan didn't acknowledge anybody, but they all want to focus on Kevin Dodd. Right. LaShawn Sims, uh, J-Rob was on paulkarski.com on his Periscope and said that LaShawn Sims is the most private guy ever, doesn't talk to anybody in the media, you don't hear anybody ragging on him. It got to a point where the fans said, why isn't Kevin Dodd at OTAs? And then the media has taken that and ran with it exponentially past whatever the fans really care about. And I, I feel for Dodd because, honestly, it, 
I know, and it's become like a sport to bash Kevin Dodd over the past two, three years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, among Titans Twitter and other other Titan fan outlets. But think about it from Kevin Dodd's point of view. So Kevin Dodd comes in the league, gets drafted. He doesn't have any control over where he gets drafted. He just gets picked, right? Yeah. So he comes into the league, has a foot injury right away. Which is hard. Unfortunate. Like, and it was totally mishandled by the previous coaching staff, yeah. not Kevin Dodd. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes in, he has the foot injury. They wanted him to kind of push through it. I think they probably pushed him back on the field too quickly. He re-aggravates it, goes back on IR, has another surgery after the season, misses another offseason, tries to come back. Maybe he wasn't in the greatest shape because basically he hasn't really trained in like a year, year and a half. I mean, think about it. You can't do any leg work really with a foot injury. Yeah. So so, No foot jobs. And so that's, that's where he's at, and he's... And now, you know, after the second year, now everybody, oh, he's a bust. He's terrible. Right. Every time you look at his mentions or anything on Twitter or anything else, it's yeah. just toxic. Like, that's tough, man. And and I get him not necessarily being thrilled about talking to the media in that right. environment because anything he says is going to be taken as, you know, the wrong way because people have already made up their mind on Dodd. Yeah. So. And, and, and to be fair, the fans that are probably largely lashing out did – Fuel the fire, ignite the fire. We were the spark because all these media people saw that were like, where the fuck is Kevin Dodd? Why is it Kevin Dodd here? I mean, where yeah. is he at? And they and we fed them. Yeah. We, we fed it all to them. So maybe we're a little bit hypocritical because, I mean, we even publicly broke up with Dodd on uh, <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. I'm going to welcome Dodd back. Right. I, I know Big Mike is yeah. still out, but. No, no, I'm welcoming him back. You can welcome back. I'm back on the Dodger. Now, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think. I think he's like gonna turn into a major contributor, but I I'm rooting we'll, for him. We'll save it for the beer me Titans predictions because <laughs> I got some big predictions for Kevin. Are, Dodd. are we doing like a preseason and yeah. a regular season one of those? Yeah. Here, right. Here's my thing. I think that Kevin Dodd, it, playing on the defensive line and where they're shifting him is great. Mike Vrabel specifically reached out to Kevin Dodd when he got hired. He brought up Kevin Dodd yesterday, saying specific players and films that he wants Kevin Dodd to watch. Vrabel's got some Dodd fever. He sees... <laughs> I don't know if I'd say Dodd fever he's got necessarily. Some, he's got Ebola Dodd. Uh, I hope <laughs> not. No. no. He's, got, he's got the Dodds. <laughs> I, I sure. Okay. Yeah. He's got some Dodd-related disease. Yeah. I would say maybe he's got like a package of milk Dodds. Yeah, gotcha. yeah there you go. I will say this. He seems to really like Dodd and likes the intangibles. And I think that if anybody's going to get anything out of a player that kind of has slumped, it's going to be Mike Vrabel. We saw it with Jadavian Clowney. But I think being on the line and hands in the dirt is the way to go. I went back and watched a lot of his highlights today from Clemson. They were all done with hand in the dirt. I mean, this whole outside linebacker thing I think was done because he had a – he was an, a tweener in size. Mm-hmm. Kevin Dodd's going to make this team. We have horrible edge depth. We have horrible defensive line depth. He's going to make it because he could play both positions. Yeah. I and mean, I, I went back. So last year, last summer, I did a rookie, rookie review piece for Music City Miracles and went back and watched all the tape of the rookies and how they play and everything like that. And Dodd was one of the ones that I did. And. I went back and read through that and looked at some of the clips that I pulled today just because I was 
I, I wanted to go back and see what I saw last summer in Dodd because obviously the 2017 season was pretty much lost for him. He looked slow. He looked out of place. Like he just he didn't look like a big impact player. But if you go back to 2016 and look at some of the tape, especially the Lions game. He was all over the place. I mean, he was making plays. Now, that was mostly with his hand in the ground, like Zach said, more playing as a 4-3 defensive end or a uh, you know, not a not a stand-up outside linebacker. You do not like Kevin Dodd dropping into coverage even in 2016 when he was playing, you know, the best that we've seen him play right. in the NFL. It was a disaster. Like, I mean, yeah. just awful. Like he, he tried to run up the seam with a tight end, and it's it, he's blown blown by him. He's open by three yards. Like, it's not even a hope in a prayer. I mean, he's, he's probably never done that in his entire no. life. Until and he the, doesn't need to. And, and if right. I have to see one person post a scout saying that he sets the edge and saying that, oh, all these scouts were wrong, and um, this is why I don't listen to Todd McShay and Mel Kuypers because they're always wrong. He's not an outside edge uh, rush or linebacker. He sets the edge on the defensive line. Yeah. Like, learn some football butts. Yeah. He wants to say butts. And he's got, a, I mean, I, he's got a lot of power. I do think he could play as a slightly undersized 3-4 defensive end. But he's really kind of going to be more, if if they are truly moving him to the defensive line, which I'm not, we've seen him in drills there. We don't, I don't know if it's confirmed that's going to be his position. But um, if they do that, I could see him as a good like Jarrell Casey fill in because yeah. last year that was Carl Klug's job. We don't really have another car like we obviously Klug left. We didn't bring in anybody else that fits that mold. But mm-hmm. as the rotational player behind Casey, I could see Dodd being that kind of fit in that mm-hmm. three four defense. So yeah, definitely. Hopefully that's what what they do. With let's uh, let's make a quick stop at the old guard Thunderdome. Let's rage. Let's talk about it. <laughs> well, apparently Kevin Pam feels uh, in the lead, buds. Really? Yeah, that's what Jim Wyatt says. Uh, I don't know Jim if you Wyatt say in the nothing. lead. I think he's shown flashes. Uh, Actually, I haven't heard any Spain uh, talk. I, Listen, there I was a Spain's Madden. Uh, was it Madden 19? Madden? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. There was a screenshot. They had Quentin Spain. Start. Wasn't Derrick Henry running in the back of Spain? So obviously Spain does not know his assignment. <laughs> no, he was he was beyond the line of scrimmage. You couldn't see it from the screenshot, oh, okay. but he was at least five yards. No, hey, bud, that was Deion Lewis. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, he was, he was still behind the line of scrimmage. No, so I'm uh, I'm pretty sad right now about my Xavier Suofilo uh, situation. I really regret picking him. You don't. You don't pick guards based off of their yeah. initials. No. No. Uh, Levin less talk. Less I haven't learned. heard Levin's name mentioned once. So more yeah. Lebowski. It's because he's a Balsillian over here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So so Spain. Pamphil? Spain's probably one A. Yeah. Pamphil's one B. It's early. It's early. And it's I have early. heard talk of Pamphil working at tackle as well. Yeah. So you can do it all. I I love his versatility, and I really think there's a good chance that. And I know everyone seems to think like Dennis Kelly's the shoe in to start for Conklin on the right side. I think he stays at guard. I don't, I don't know if Pam Field won't start it right. Yeah, tackle. I can see that too. 
He's got a lot more starting experience at tackle than so, Kelly does. So. so what happens with Garth Thunderdome if he ends up starting a right tackle and then Ooh. Spain starts at left guard? Well, Spain well, wins the Garth te- Thunderdome. Yeah, because technically it's Garth Thunderdome, yeah. not like swing tackle with Thunderdome. It's not a win. I feel like we could share it. Oh, I'll share it. I'll give you like forty percent. I'm, I'm not, not gonna take I'm it. Not gonna, I'm not gonna let y'all share it. Well, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> well, I think that means that the first uh, ever big Mo- dirty Mike versus the boys. If he's, if we're not talking about sharing anymore, I think that means that we get a win. <laughs> so we've won two now. No, uh, false. I yeah. I don't agree with that. Well, that was a great guard thunder, dude. That yeah. was. It was magnificent. Um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, the Dean piece. Slash Matt Lafleur uh, system changes. Uh, what do you think the biggest shifts will be? I'll, I'll let uh, Big Mike take all this oh, as yeah. far as the biggest <laughs> shifts because he's done research on it. So um, I'll start with let's start with the the defense because that's what I wrote on most recently, and it wins championships, and it does win championships allegedly. Um, but uh, Dean Pease and Mike Vrabel. So I went back and kind of reviewed both of their defenses from last year because obviously. Pease is going to be the play caller on the defense, but Vrabel is definitely going to have his input and bring some of his ideas to the table. So I think we're going to see some sort of, you know, kind of hybrid or uh, Frankenstein defense formed out of what the Texans did and what the Ravens did last year. Um, Now I'll say this, and I I talked about this in the article. A lot of people, uh, especially like Texans fans and people like that, that are, they constantly bring up, oh, Vrabel finished, his defense finished last in scoring defense last year. He's going to be a terrible head coach. And we've talked about it multiple times. One, it's a totally different job. And two, if you go back and look at it, I mean, he lost Watt, he lost Merciless, he lost A.J. Bouye. So he's right. got he's got some major talent that he was dealing with. Right. And if you look at P's history, so I went back and looked at this, his – out of 10 years as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, he's finished in the top 10 in defensive DVOA seven times. If you look at his uh, uh, three years that he didn't, pretty much every year there was a major, major injury. One or two. I mean, Ray Lewis and Suggs were out one yeah. year. Uh, Haloti Nagata years, was that one. Suggs yeah. was out multiple years. Yeah, two yeah. of the years were where Suggs went down, and that, I mean, that changes an entire defense, especially right. when – you, you know, that's your number right. one by far pass rusher. Yeah, you lose the most uh, important spot on your defense at that point. But schematically, I don't think it's going to be a huge shift from what LeBeau was doing. Obviously, it's still a 3-4 base, which is fine and everything. But that's – I really kind of wish they'd switch from calling base defense what you do on first down to yeah. what you actually do on, like, second and third down because oh, that's wait, really what, what you, you do most of the time. What yeah. you do I wish they called, the like, the diamond defense because that diamond defense, if y'all have not read yeah. his article – uh, first off, shame on you that your fucking yeah. brother. Shame. Uh, <laughs> Why are you looking at me like I haven't read it? But shame on you, Huxley. Yeah, you didn't read shit. Fucking dog. Fucking dog. And uh, but the diamond defense was like a revelation. And when I saw it, I'm just thinking of all the all of the tools that we had provided Dean Peace. I'm just thinking this is going to be so fucking fun to watch. Yeah. Unlike Lebeau, who I just Lebeau was great. When he was with the Steelers back in the day and the Eagles and all that, whatever, he his defense just did not ever evolve, in yeah. my opinion. And Dean Peace is a guy that you, you see he evolves everywhere he goes. Yeah. 
One of the, one of the things that is super consistent between both Pease and Rabel is disguising coverages. And I know it's something that is not exclusive to them, but they did it really well, um, both the Texans and the, the Ravens. And that diamond front that you're talking about, you know, essentially it's you've got five defensive linemen all lined up over the five offensive linemen pre-snap. So basically you're dictating to the offense – these are your blocking assignments. So right. you're you're all going one on one, and we get to pick which guy is blocking which guy. So number one, you've got an advantage right off the start. Right. So and then they will either bail out one or two of those guys into coverage, or sometimes they'll just send all five. So at the snap, each offensive lineman automatically has to be reading his guy. If his guy bails, then he has to react, which sometimes, you know, if he's trying to react to help the guard next to him or whatever, he may be too late by that point. After a lot of them just shit out. themselves. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of shit pants. Um, but Vrabel loves to do an overload blitz where he'll blitz like a, a slot corner off of one side, drop the two guys off of the other side into coverage, and he's still only rushing four, but all four of those rushers are on one side of the ball. Right. So, so you've you, got a numbers advantage right yeah. away. So you got four guys ru- rushing off the right side, and you got two guards on, or you got a guard and a tackle on the other side who are just looking around yeah. like who's coming. Yeah, and they, and they rush it. They it's rush that uh, that four off the weak side so that your back is on the strong side to sit in and protect. Yeah. And then he's got to cross the quarterback, which right. is always a tricky thing to do because you don't really – got to cross in front, mm-hmm. and that's never good for the quarterback. You don't, right. ever, you don't want anyone crossing in front of your eyes as a quarterback. Yeah, because so, that um, immediately brings your eyes down. Exactly. And you see it happen all the time. Quarterback drops. He's looking. He, you know, the guy's coming from one side. Running back tries to come over and block him, and his his eyes go down, and he starts looking to run. And so, right. already you've broken the play. So, um, I, that's the stuff that really gets me excited. And I think <laughs> you're uh, such a nerd. I know I'm so nerded <laughs> out right now. I'm like, oh my it's, god, it's, it's fucking awesome. I it mean, it's, 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 it's really it's cool. So cool to watch. Uh, you should it's definitely read stuff. the article. There's a lot of really cool uh, gifs, gifs, whatever you want to yeah. call it, uh, videos. It's it's um, pinned at the top of my uh, Twitter page right now. So yeah, uh, check it out. It was his magnum opus. It took him five months to write. It did take me a while. It took, <laughs> well, because you got to watch like two separate defenses and research two separate defenses. And sounds like a bunch it, of excuses. Man. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it took a, it took a minute, but I'm really excited about it. The diamond front. I think they drafted with that in mind with Evans. Evans is the perfect linebacker to play in that mm-hmm. on uh, third downs because he's such a great pass rusher. So he is a real threat to pass rush. Not like you know even like. The Texans had Bernard McKinney, who's a fine linebacker, but he's not a good pass rusher. I never heard of him until he got a $50 million extension today. I'm that like, was kind of crazy. I thought that was maybe like a special teamer or something. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are the Texans doing? He's he's fine. Like He's kind of like, to me, he's like Avery Williamson. He's yeah. fine. He's Oof. run stuffer. I would that's not a pay lot of Avery money Mil- for, Williamson yeah. $50 million. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, but I'm um, pretty excited about it. Okay. Well, uh, read the article. And yeah. let's let's jump on over to offense. So on the offensive side of the ball, um, this is the thing. So the defense is going to be kind of similar. Um, so I, I think the defense is going to pick it up really quick. And offense, and we're already starting to hear rumblings of it in OTAs, 
offenses behind the defense, defenses dominating in practice, the cornerbacks are shutting down all these backup wide receivers because Corey Davis and Rashard Matthews aren't participating in yeah, team. Let's be clear. Backup wide receivers. Backup wide we're receivers. talking undrafted wide receivers yeah. for the most and part. And we're also yeah. talking about a souped-up secondary. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Who is going to shut down a lot of NFL teams starting wide receivers, much less our own right. backups. So, um, Looking but, at you, Jaguars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jaguars. Fucking Jags. But Oh, wait. No, Colts. Looking at you, Colts. Uh, yeah. This is the wrong pocket. They're just yeah. as bad. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, who, who are the Colts going to run out there? Chester Ryan, Rogers. Ryan Grant. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> T.Y. Hilton and a <laughs> bunch of Girl Scouts. So, uh, but the offense is going to be quite a bit different. So the defense will be similar. The offense is, is about as big a departure as you could possibly have from what Malarkey and Rubisky yeah. had last year. And that's going to be music to a lot of Titans fans' ears. Um, whereas Malarkey and Rubisky wanted to run a lot of tight formations. They were, you know, heavy personnel. They wanted to run power, run a lot of like uh, gap power kind of offensive or gap power run game and then play action vertical threats off of that in the passing game a, a lot of time with only two wide receivers in the formation, which I saw some data uh, earlier this week showing ex- net expected points for per pass, per pass play based on uh, uh, how many receivers were sent out into the route. And it was like a huge jump when you go from two to three and then three, four, five, you know, four and five were even better. But uh, sending two wide receivers in a route is not a good idea in general. That should only happen on a very specific package play every now and then. But regardless, (laughs) um, there was a lot of that. Now, we're switching to LaFleur. And his offense was just going to be basically the Kyle Shanahan West Coast offense, which is going to feature a lot of outside zone. Outside zone is going to be the base base run of the rushing attack. And so zone blocking is going to be a transition for, for these guys, this offensive line that has primarily been blocking power gap scheme. It's just a different type of movement, different assignments. Going to take them a little bit to get used to each other, how they – team up on this because it's a lot of combos there's a lot of handoffs uh, like yeah. with blocking yeah you've got to you've got to really know your guy next to you which it's a good thing that they've kept the offensive line intact and if right spain does keep that left guard position it'll be yeah, the third <laughs> it'll be the third year in a row that they are actually uh um basically starting the same line which is pretty crazy but yeah. that knowledge and that feel for each other will help a lot in this scheme. And it's not like they haven't run zone before. Basically teams are not either a power team or a zone team exclusively. It's, it's all on a spectrum. So we're going from 80, 20 power to 80, 20 zone. zone yeah. And so it's, it's just going to be a, a transition, but they've got to get used to that. Then you, on the passing game, you know, you listen to Dan Orlovsky, who played under uh, some of these coaches. He also ran out the back of an end zone. He did also run out the back of the end zone, but he he does <laughs> on he's, accident. He's pretty uh, he's pretty smart as far <laughs> he, as it comes he's to football, very knowledgeable football analysis. And I I love watching his stuff. And he talks about this offense and mm-hmm. how it's completely different than a lot of the other offenses because it's all timing. And if you look at any of these West Coast offenses, it's all timing. So it's based on your footwork has to be perfect because your drop is timed up. It's synced up with the route. So all of your routes are synced up with the drop. So you've got a drop 
and then your first read and then a hitch and then your second read and then a hitch and then your third read. So all that is synced up so that the receiver is coming into that window where he's going to be open at the moment that you're supposed to be throwing the ball. And so it's like dance, dance revolution in a way. Yeah. So, and it's also preceded by a 20 word play call. Yeah. yeah. Like that's not a joke. I'm not exaggerating. It is literally play calls are like 20 words that he has to be basically what I read today from Orvlosky again was you break down Marcus from you pretty much erase everything that he knows, and then you have to build him back up to learn 20-word play calls. We can yeah. make him stronger, yeah. smarter, faster. But, yeah, so in the the verbiage, they're very wordy. It's a very wordy offense. But the benefit is that once you get the lingo down, once you have the langu- language kind of mastered, you're able to make adjustments really easily in the offense and tweak things. So I, it's going to take a while. I mean – they're installing now. They're going to reinstall once training camp opens. It's unlikely that by week one they have the full grasp of the full breadth of the offense that yeah. they're going to have by the end of the season. It's going to be a build with with the offense. Now, they may be able to come out and execute well enough on the stuff that they know early on. Yeah, that you, they don't, can you don't sustain. need a huge playbook. No, you, you don't. And especially if you're going to be a week-to-week team that really game plans for the opposition, which I think the Titans will be under variable. Mm-hmm. Um you don't have to. You don't have to have the full playbook installed every week. It it can be a week to week. You know, install these plays, move on to the next week. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to be a slow build. You know, the receivers have to get used to running extremely precise routes, which I know Malarkey harped on that too. But these are different routes, and the timing. You know, we saw the uh, there was a clip floating around where it showed Marcus Mariota th- trying to throw a pass to Tajay Sharp, and the the ball like lands at Sharp's feet and everyone's like, oh, what's going on with this throw? Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at Sharp, he ran the route five yards too deep and that's why the ball was where yeah. where it ended up. So yeah. stuff like that has got to get spot, ironed out. Not thrown to a player. Exactly. And and you see Mariota do that really well. Um, and that's one of his strengths and that's why I think he's going to fit this offense. And additionally, if you look at the the core of the offense being the outside zone run and that's kind of the, the bread and butter of what Everything's based off of. So off of the outside zone run, then you have some play action. Then you have some play action boot. Right. And the boot, getting Mariota out on the run, being able to throw, moving the pocket, they are not going to have Mariota be a stationary target, stationary quarterback. He's going to be moved around. It's going to be tougher for opposing pass rushers. And think about this. This is what really excites me. The outside zone run the the principle of it you're you're stretching the defense laterally right right well the best thing that you can have on an outside zone team is a mobile quarterback because that mobile quarterback just the threat of him booting out the backside holds the entire backside of that defense so it stretches all your gaps wider all the way across the line and those those gaps are going to be open for Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry and it keeps that backside defensive end from crashing hard and catching the play from behind exactly so they got they have more time to read the gaps they have wider gaps to hit it's a perfect marriage to personnel and if you if anybody watched brett coleman's uh great great video it it was fantastic and it perfectly explained kind of how the personnel is a perfect marriage with this offense and you've got to watch it i'm sure we can tweet it out um again but yeah it's it's fantastic and, and it's a pretty pretty much essentially everything i was going to talk about derrick henry fitting into the zone blocking scheme i had a big problem with greg cassell recently ever since the offseason came over and we were talking about switching to a zone blocking scheme 
he acted like that Derrick Henry will not be able to run behind the zone blocking scheme. And then when I commented on it, people said, well, the Titans offensive line isn't as good as the Alabama offensive line and versus the competition, or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, I mean, Alabama's offensive line is great, but it's not the yeah. best in the NFL. The play calling there is pretty good by Lane Kiffin. And then you have us who is actually really good in the NFL and, I, I don't get it. Yeah. And as the one of the big beneficiaries for me, I'll do offense. You can do defense. Yeah. Uh, the big, the biggest one for me was Derrick Henry, and I, I think that he's really going to thrive. A lot of people are mistaken when they look at him and think, "Oh, this is an in between the tackles runner. Mm-hmm. This is what he does." Mm-hmm. Inside zone, outside zone, it doesn't matter. He's good at both. He's, he's not great with the cutback. It's more of a bend, and you'll see that explained better by someone that's way better explained than me in Brett Coleman's video. Mm-hmm. But it, it was the perfect analogy. I'm an Alabama fan. I've watched Derrick Henry. He thrives in his own blocking scheme. When he's given the ball a lot in his own blocking scheme, he thrives, and that may be where we may see a little bit drop off. We may not see Heisman winner Derrick Henry, who won under the zone blocking scheme, but we will see probably a 1,000-yard rusher Derrick Henry finally break through. You're going to see him. He can catch the ball. The big knock is his pass protection, and that was his only knock coming into the offseason. I would venture to guess that's probably what he fixed through the whole offseason, if I was a guessing man, was to say that he's going to fix the one bad thing about his game, and that's pass blocking, pass protection. Yeah. So I'll, I think he's a huge he, he definitely has the tools to do it. I mean, he's yeah. he's quick enough. He's huge. Yeah. It's really just He's got uh, a wicked stiff arm, and when he goes to the right, he switches his arm to the uh, the ball to the left, and his power... That's why running to the left... I, I probably said that wrong. Yeah. Running to the left, stiff arming with the right, yeah. is where the major... I think it was like 10... Plus yeah, yards he per carry, ten yards per carry outside. Yeah. I mean, left. he goes outside. He's not an inside. He can be an inside runner, but he's not going to be. He's more Eddie George on the inside. Yeah, I than mean, any, anything else, he gets hit. Probably falls. You know, he well, pushes three, a pile. Four well, think, yeah. think about it this way: uh, when you're running up the middle, you've got what, like three yards until you meet these huge, humongous yeah. people. Mm. When you're running outside, you you've got like five, ten yards of steam to build up. And right. with Derrick Henry, that's that's what he wants effective. to do, and that's the problem because he's not—he's not making anyone miss in a phone booth. That's right. that's, and he's not—he's not really a run you over type of back. He's more—he's—he's he's a little more finesse than unless you you're Jalen Ramsey, then he'll run you over. Yeah, he does run <laughs> over Jalen a lot, but uh, the stiff arm is his go-to move. He's it, when he builds up speed, he's almost impossible to tackle because he's so fast. And he's so big that you can't arm tackle him once he gets up to speed yeah. because he's just going to blow right through you. Um, but yeah, it, it, he's not going to make you miss in a phone booth on the inside, so that's why he's way more effective outside. Yeah. And and I think he will fit well in this offense as long as he learns to really trust his blocking. That's the biggest thing he needs to work and, on. And really, Todd Gurley in season two um, of his career with Jeff Fisher, we saw. Don't know. We saw the Titans kind of run game affect Todd Gurley. And that was the big thing that, you know, I want to bring up is that season two Todd Gurley sucked. It sucks so bad. And everybody was so ready to write him off as a bust. And our run game from Malarkey to Jeff Fisher to Mike Munchak 
kind of all the same to me. It just looked like you just going to have to do it yourself as a running back. Yeah. And I think that Todd Gurley learned a lot in his year under uh, Sean McVay. And I expect Henry to learn a lot. Yeah. He looks a lot leaner, too. Yeah. He does. That was one thing I was going to mention. The videos of him uh, running routes and catching passes from OTA so far has been really impressive. Like yeah. He looks like a different guy as far as his quickness in and out of breaks and stuff like that. So that's encouraging. Uh, so that's one. Let's. Is there any other players? Let's go defense. Let's go defense. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, so the defense, the defensive player that I think this scheme change helps the most is going to be the safety duo. I'm I'm gonna cheat and pick two. Um, I think Bayard. Obviously, he excelled in the system last year, so it's going to be hard for him to put up more than the eight interceptions he had last year. But I think from a play standpoint, he's. He's going to be a great fit because you look what Dean Pease did with Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle was fantastic last year for the Ravens, and Bayard has a very similar skill set. He studies the game like crazy. You can already tell Vrabel loves him just by the way he talks about him. Like He beamed when he talked about Kevin Bayard, and Pease did the same thing, just saying, oh, you know, yeah. he, he studies, he does everything you possibly want. And that's something that goes back to college. I mean, Stockstill yeah. was his biggest fan. It was yeah. him and... Biddy Cunningham, if you know who that is. Yeah, but yeah. MTSU, great. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think Bayard's going to be great. He's going to be a perfect fit for this defense, which is important because he's one of our you know best players. Mm-hmm. And then Jonathan Cyprian, I think, is going to do perfectly fine so, in this too. defense. I mean, people call for him to get benched all the time. I've already, you know, you see people saying, oh, I wish they'd start Crookshank or whatever. Well, no, come on. <laughs> Let's not, let's not start a rookie. Yeah, let's not start a fifth round rookie that hasn't played safety. Um who won't even answer what position he plays. Right. right. <laughs> but I, I think Kirkshake could be good eventually, but Cyprian yeah. Cyprian's still a good player. Right. I think he's a smart player. He fits really well with like if you look at what the Ravens did with Tony Jefferson last year, yep. he's in the box all the time. Like the Ravens occasionally would drop him back deep, but that was Weddle's job. So Weddle would stay deep. Jefferson would stay up. So I think Cyprian's going to be the Jefferson role. He's going to be able to blitz. He's going to be able to act as a extra linebacker and nickel packages. Right. And I think he's going to be a perfect fit for that because he's really good in tight spaces. So he, I mean, he plays the game almost like a linebacker and then, from a coverage standpoint, he's really good in man coverage, which is a lot of what they're going to ask him to do. The you know both the Ravens and Vrabel uh, like to run a lot of single high press man, and usually with that you're going to either have the uh, linebacker playing robber or possibly the strong safety sitting in the robber spot, but the other one's going to be playing man. And Cyprian's perfectly fine playing man against running backs or tight ends. So yeah, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. Coach, you fucking trash. You trash. You trash. Let's talk about this Andrew Luck arm <laughs> piece of shit news as hit us. Everybody I, is freaking out because yeah. he can it's do the bare minimum. It's a high school football. It's not oh, real football. That, I, <laughs> and, and the thing that I hate the most is I went back and listened to the Andrew Luck press conference. He didn't say practices. He didn't say throws. He didn't say private sessions. He met with... Frank one time and had a behind the closed door kind of throwing session. Who knows how many how throwing. many times do you think he threw the football with the actual Duke? 
60 Kathy? yards because you <laughs> yeah and let me tell you this you have to throw it in a game if you're Andrew Luck because you have a shit running game with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines who are basically the same person Naheem Bless Hines you. would be great thank you um <laughs> uh, if Marlon Mack wasn't the same kind of running back, and I, I don't know, Jordan Wilkins maybe will do something, but you're, yeah. you you got three kind of unknowns at running back. Mm-hmm. You got T.Y. Hilton and then nothing else. No. <laughs> so he's going to have to throw it 40 to 50 times a game. That's a little bit fucking different than going behind closed doors and maybe throwing two law passes with the dude. And that's uh, before we get to 300-pound men crashing into him yeah. and landing on that shoulder. Yeah. And he has a mental block. He even said, I had a mental block throwing the football, mm-hmm. uh, a real football. That's great. Yeah. That's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. this, this is the thing. We are like, what, a month month and a half away from training camp yeah. opening and luck has still not thrown a regulation size football and the football he was throwing it one it was a tiny little high school ball and two he wasn't throwing but like swing passes and, and he stuff threw like, like 10 yeah he yeah. threw like 10 10 yard passes and colts fans were like well high school football is practically the same thing as the nfl football <laughs> Did you look at the fucking pictures? It looked uh, like he was fondling a baby's dick. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the tweets that came out. It was like this grand thing. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Andrew Luck's throwing a football again. And then it, he, everyone like starts to really look at it. It's like, oh, he's mm. throwing a high school football well, then 10 people, times. And then Ursay comes like out. 10 yards a piece, by the way. Yeah. Dr- drunk ass Ursay comes out and tells everybody <laughs> it's just a fucking high school football. After everybody else is under the assumption that it's a college football. So yeah. everybody was reporting that it's a college-sized football. He comes out and fucking shits all over that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, give me a fucking break. If Andrew Luck is not throwing the real football in training camp, when it rolls around at the end of July, 30 to 40 times at the minimum, he may not be ready and may not be the same. Uh, and the passes he was throwing, chance. did you actually see where they were landing in response to the receiver? The receiver was having to make some grabs. I think that's why they brought Reggie Wayne out there to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> because Shit, we need a Hall of Famer. Yeah. It did not look that great. It did not instill me with confidence. His press conference did not instill me with confidence. And the fact that he went back and forth, yeah, I'll be ready. Well, you know, I have to still have to do this. I have to do this. I have to go through and do this. And I had a mental block. And the, that mental block is going to come back probably. This is not going to be year one at least. I'm not ready to like write off Andrew Luck. Yeah. But year year one, DJ <laughs> yeah, EJ yes. is. Yeah. Uh, year one, Andrew Luck is not going to be the, the guy that can take a 4-12 and 12 team and turn it into a eleven and five in right. playoff. Yeah, it, get fucking real, especially <laughs> not with that roster. But no. yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a real chance he's not ready to start the season. And I think somebody pulled up some of the quotes that he was saying last season around this time, and and talking about and very similar to what he was saying yeah. this year. Do you do you think if he's not quite ready to go, do you think they they force him out there? Or do you think they hold him out again? I, mean, you, I don't know. I think they may have to force him out there. I don't know. At, at this point. If he screws up his shoulder and they forced him out there, it's... it's. I mean, that's kind of what it sound like, sounds like happened the first time. Yeah. Like, he true. said that it was his own fault, but... Yeah. Was on. it? Was it? And maybe their dumbass uh, general manager's fault, Chris Ballard. 
Let's move. Let's talk about Chris Ballard. Let's get into him. Let's, can we? Can we? I I don't like the love that was shown this past week from the the Titans uh, Twitter group we're in over Chris Ballard, and everybody is like. Well, Chris Ballard really had a shit roster to turn around. You want to talk about shit rosters that get turned around? The 2015 Tennessee Titans were one of the worst fucking rosters in the NFL. It was them in San Francisco, and that's all anybody talked about. And here comes J-Rob. First season, we go from a 2-14 and uh, 14 team, and we turn it into a 9-17. and 17. What did Chris Ballard do? He took an 8-8 eight and eight team. And he turned it into a four and twelve team. That that's the wrong trend, everybody. I don't know if you noticed that. And then for him to come out and say that Komoku or Komoki Ture from Rutgers, the defensive end from Rutgers, Chris Ballard had him higher on their board than Harold Landry. Hmm. Harold Landry. <laughs> Trey, everything that we I looked at in the offseason trying to get ready for the draft. I almost started talking about Ture, and then I was like, no, the Titans are going to go after this guy. He's too raw. He he doesn't have a lot of the stuff that you're looking for. I mean, he's very speedy, but he doesn't have any strength. Mm-hmm. The Colts, once again, are going back to their speed defense where they have nothing as far as strength to carry it through. And I saw today a what-if. Like, uh, I think SB Nation was doing, uh, every team had to do an article, what if this had happened. Mm -hmm. Their what if was, what if Landon Collins, we had drafted Landon Collins? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing would have changed because your defense sucks. It is the worst. That's absurd. It is the 30th yards allowed last month, 28th in the pass, and 26th in a run. And on top of the 26th in a run and the 28th in the pass, you know what your GM did? He let Hankins walk, got rid of Hankins, and what did y'all do to replace him? Absolutely fucking nothing. (laughs) Chris Ballard does not replace talent. He does not draft well. He had, what, four second-round draft picks, and when they ended up with all those draft picks, I texted Big Mike and I go, we're not getting Harold Landry. They're surely going to draft Harold Landry. Nope. No, they drafted and reached for Darius Leonard, who, and then Braden Smith of yeah. Auburn. They're reaches in the second round. Yeah, especially because they took him at the top of the second round. Oh, my round. God. Was, those weren't, weren't But this is what values. Chris Ballard did, and Chris Ballard, uh, he drafted Malik Cooker. <laughs> One player. Well, and, and Hooker. Everybody gets lucky. Yeah. I, I really liked Hooker coming out, so uh, he could still turn into a really good yeah. player. But Hooker didn't really do anything last year. I mean, he wasn't, he, said. he wasn't playing very well, <laughs> and then he got hurt. So, I mean, we'll see what Hooker turns out to be. Yeah. But then his other top uh, draft picks last year were uh, Quincy Wilson, who couldn't get on the field nope. um, on one of the shittest, the shittest, shittest. yeah, the shittest cornerback groups I've ever seen in my life. Couldn't like, even start. He couldn't get on the field over guys like Pierre Desir. Like mm. couldn't get oh, on the field. Oh, but they all think that Quincy Nelson or Quincy what's oh, the fuck his name? Quincy Wilson. <laughs> they all think that he's gonna be some stud defensive back. These guys are delusional. They're box score 
stat people, and that is what Peyton Manning has turned that franchise into. A bunch of self-indulgent <laughs> fucking just jerking each other off over all these stats. Stats <laughs> don't matter if you're not fucking winning games, you fucking idiots. Hashtag yeah. Colts Forged. Yeah. yeah. And what the other the third round pick was Terrell Basham, who also didn't do shit. So like none of his draft picks. I never even heard Terrell Basham. Did he even fucking play last anything. year? Yeah, he did not much. But so none of, none of his draft picks did anything. He his, the only guys that he signed that were any good in the first free agent class he had was Jabal Sheard. That, that's it. Yeah. I mean the rest of them, crap. And then this free agent class he didn't sign really anybody. Like oh, he got Chris, Eric Ebron. Whatever. Great tight end <laughs> yeah, guys. Eric Ebron and Ryan Grant and uh, everybody <laughs> after plus. after Ryan Grant failed a physical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. After Yikes. after the Ravens faked a physical to get rid of Ryan yeah. Grant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and. and they also uh, they also let uh, Rashawn Melvin, who was their best corner by a long shot last year, walk in free agency to the uh, Raiders. So you don't need cornerbacks. It's no, not important. No, uh, not, not for the Colts because they're fucking idiots. So, but no, Chris Ballard's a genius, and everybody's like, you got to give him time. <laughs> GMs come in and they clean house and they change that roster around. I went back and looked. I think they kept 33 players from the Grigson to ba- uh, Ballard regime. We kept 30 from the Rustin Webster to... So, still two bad rosters, but we were able to maximize everybody's talent by providing other pieces. Yeah. He was active in the draft his first year. He was active in free agency his first year. Ballard is not active in free agency, and that's not the way to build a team. It has to be a synergy, and he thinks that he must be the greatest draft mind in the NFL because he's not doing anything free agency. But then he's drafting all these people. Teray is not better than fucking Harold Landry. Are you a fucking... (laughs) Are you an idiot? Yeah. Like He also kind of looks like Huxley, if you haven't noticed. And then Quentin Nelson um, is good. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I think he's a good guard, but in, he anyone. also has had a lot of people around him every time he's played in the in the college level. There's always multiple offensive linemen. So let me reserve some Nelson. judgment Nelson. on Quentin Nelson having to play with the rest of shit offensive yeah. linemen that they have. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not going to give you a cookie for drafting Nelson. Yeah. That was a no brainer. So. I mean, yeah, I mean. You should get right in the first round. Right. I and, mean, it's pretty simple. That was staring yeah. you right in the face. I've seen I've seen Colts uh there was some Colts writer uh wrote something about the Colts might have the best uh offensive line, Not one of the best offensive close. lines in the league. You don't have the best offensive line in the league if you're projecting two rookie starters at guard. I'm sorry, yeah. you just don't. Yeah. Like not happening. And and Quincy Nelson might be or Quentin Nelson might be really good. Might be, Maybe. but a lot of the things people were saying about Quentin Nelson this year are the same fucking things that they were saying about Chance Warmack when the Titans drafted him, <laughs> and he was the you know can't miss guard prospect and surefire. Uh, let Hall me tell of you Famer. this: guards like, can fucking miss. Yeah, guards can bust. So <laughs> we've even, been hurt before. Even the like can't miss guys can can miss. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not projecting that for Nelson. I think he'll be good, but I'm just saying there's don't. Write him in for the Hall of Fame just yet. Don't write him in for the Hall of Fame. Um, let's talk about the guy who's who's at the top of the pyramid. Let's talk about good old Jim Irsay. It's uh, almost too easy. Is he easy a bottom a five owner? 
Or is he the worst owner? I think he's number one. I think for he's sure. the worst. You, th- you think he's yeah. the worst? I mean, you get, get the Browns and you, know, uh, you get other, Haslam's get other teams up there. like that. Yeah, Haslam's up there, but 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 Ursay just makes a show of it. Like yeah, he makes yeah. their team like he's an embarrassment in a way. He's one hundred percent. Well, there is a rumor. Is, is, he, is he more embarrassing than uh, Mark Davis? Yo, yes. That looks wise. That, like, that looks yeah, wise. Mark Davis just has the stupid haircut yeah. and like questionable decision making. He looks like a turtle with the toupee <laughs> on. But Jim Ursay has <laughs> the bad facelift, the questionable decision making, and yeah. then all the off the uh, you call it off the field stuff, but the right. the, <laughs> the the headlines, the getting arrested, the the girl pill addiction, yeah. the breaking up marriages, the, the mistress dying in the apartment. And he's oh, definitely yeah. given Andrew Luck uh, opioids. Yeah. I have that from a reliable source. I've heard that that Andrew Luck is on opioids. <laughs> you well, got a guy, well, got a guy, Jim Ursay. If you read up on Ursay, so Ursay has. He got busted with pills like multiple times, right. and he's always gotten off because he's a rich guy, and that's mm-hmm. what rich guys do. Yeah, but he's been caught yeah, with they, like they get off. He's been caught with like multiple <laughs> doctors that have gotten to jail for writing, you know, fake prescriptions. Yeah. He's gotten multiple doctors put in jail. Yeah, like this is not a good dude. He's no. tweeting out like porn in the middle of the night and shit like that. I forgot about that. He's an old man that's horny and right. doesn't know how to work the internet. He's, um, it's like Grandpa quit posting stuff on social media. Yes, it's not a please, Google. Please stop. And uh, he broke up uh, He broke up some guy's marriage, I think, a mm. few years ago because he's... He, here's how it happened. All right, so he posts these <laughs> stupid-ass like uh, 70s rock trivia questions on Twitter and uh, this guy's wife replied to one with an answer, and he slid into the DMs. Oh my god! And fucking stole his wife. Like what? Yes, that really happened. Hundred percent. Oh Look it up. Garfunkel and Oates question. L- it must it be up. nice to have money, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Too bad he doesn't know what to fucking do with it. Yeah, because yeah, uh, let's see. What has he bought? He's bought. Um, he bought the original AA. Uh, Oh, book, yeah, the charter, right? right? Yeah, the charter. Yeah. It was written by the guy who started Alcoholics oh, Anonymous yeah, for yeah. like two point it's something million dollars. Well, it's probably a good uh, thing to snort cocaine off of. <laughs> yeah. he's, bet, he's got like a Kerouac, Kerouac original that he yeah. spent like two point yeah. four million. It's like on wearing too. like a dare shirt and drinking a lot. It's yeah. fun. It's yeah. kind of like ironic. Oh, I need have, you, have you seen the way he dresses? By the way, like yeah, it's bad. he dresses like. I mean, he's like the seven-year-old guy that shops at like Affliction. Like <laughs> yeah. it's it's just gross. Yeah. Like it's so gross. Yeah, it's bad. I, I'd say he's like the owner that would be most likely to be like you know at some like seventies rock concert like offering young girls pills. But I'm pretty sure he's actually doing that. So it's not like he's the most. <laughs> I don't think likely he offers them pills. I think he offers them drinks with the pills already. Uh, in them. Probably, probably. If you had to pick an owner that was like definitely a serial killer, which one's the most likely? Ooh. Is it Ooh. is it Mark Davis? Ooh, probably Mark Davis. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna throw one out there. I'm gonna throw one out there. I'm gonna say uh, Dimitrioff for the Falcons. Ooh, he's oh, a weird good. one now, because he's not he, an owner though. No, uh, well, Arthur, Blank. Arthur Blank. Arthur yeah, Blank. Yeah, yeah. Arthur Blank. Arthur oh, Blank. Yeah. Because and, he has that weird mustache. He looks like a Cesar Romero from the, the Batman. Yeah, and he does own Home Depot, so he's yeah. got unlimited <laughs> access to shovels. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, and he wears those giant, like, bad guy villain suits yeah. from, like, every cartoon ever. There you go. He does. I mean, so Arthur Blank could be yeah. one. He may be, the got, one, he may be the one training Mark Davis to be the next we, we've, we've got our eyes on you, Blank. Yeah, we're on you, bud. Um, so let's let's go through Dirty Mike and the Boys uh, real. Cult, you're fucking trash. Oh, you're trash. You, you, you trash. You're trash. It's time to get it. It's Dirty Mike first, 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 the first, 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 Correct. <laughs> good. Almost hung up on the one. football with the yeah. he He's got a football shaped head. I, I was expecting Lord of the Rings orc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number two. Who is the current head coach of the Colts? Buzz. Buzz. Zach. Oh, Doug. Oh, Frank Wright. <laughs> Almost went Doug Peterson. Jesus. Oh, wow. That was a close wow. one. Okay. Uh, Doug's very own Frank. I thought you were going to uh, say right. McDaniels. Mm. 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 Chris Ballard couldn't even keep a fucking coach. Yeah. That would have been a good. That would have been a good question. Um, question number three: Name any Colts wide receiver not named Ty Mike Ryan Grant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that was going to be much harder than uh, yes. it would have been had I not been making fun of him. Five That's minutes true. <laughs> um, all right. Question number four: The Colts currently have one coach, Tony Dungy, and three players who have been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Name two of the three Buzz. players. Mike. Marvin Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie Wayne. No. No. No, no you get two. It's two guesses. Yep, that's two. Buzz. Uh-huh. Marvin Harrison, Jeff Saturday. No. Fuck oh. you, it's Jeff Saturday? All right, Buzz. Buzz. Mike. Uh... The fuck is that Jeff Saturday? Mm-mm. Okay, Buzz. Marvin Harrison, Johnny <laughs> Unitas. Go, it's still his turn. <laughs> Johnny Unitas. Buzz. Johnny Unitas is in a what? Frank Frank Gore. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh Buzz Edron James? Pro- no, 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 Buzz. Mike. Marshall Falk. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but that's the Rams. He got inducted as a Ram, didn't he? No, he was a he was know. a cult first. Yeah. He yeah, but I think he longer. got inducted as a Ram. Did he, yeah, know. did he even do anything with the Colts? Yeah, I think, we, I think the there Colts. was way was too many. The was there was way there was too many, many guesses. guesses. We're going to throw it out. We're going to cancel it. Oh. Okay. Well, I cannot uh, believe Jeff. Uh, are you sure Jeff Saturday's not in the He's Hall of Fame? He's not in the Hall of Fame. I I'm promise you. <laughs> they won't allow anybody with a face mask that fucking stupid. In. <laughs> um, the three players, if you're curious, was Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, Marvin Harrison. So two Rams and a Colt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just a Colt who's murdered a guy. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was nominated. Well, good Jeff for Saturday. him. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations! You spent your whole career handing the ball to Peyton Manning. Yeah. I should have been there. Um, Get that bust in Canton. Do you mean Packers great Jeff Saturday? <laughs> uh, question number five. Who did the Colts draft in the first round of the most recent NFL draft? Buzz. I have no idea who did that first. That was- I think you have to throw out the question. <laughs> or how about this? I'm partial. How about this? <laughs> how about this? It's Quentin Nelson. 
<laughs> That's correct. I just don't know who bust in first. Well, I answer uh, first. going to be tough. This, this one's probably going to end up in review based on the well, way it's going. This is, this is going This poorly. is going to River Ron, I think. <laughs> hmm. Let's see. Your phone's not going to tell you. Name the uh, Colts all-time rushing leader. Buzz! Edwin James. That's correct. Suck a dick. That, it, I thought it was Joseph Adai, but it's not. Joseph, Ooh, Joseph uh, live and let Adai. That's two in a row. That is two in a row. He's, he's on a streak. Building he's, a streak. He's only eight short of my longest streak. So. <laughs> Building a streak. Well, that will do it. Thank you for listening, Effers. Uh, be sure to rate and review us on whatever you're listening on and tell us why you like the podcast and what your favorite thing is about Mike Miracles. Tell us we're pretty. Tell, tell him he's a pretty boy. Um, you can get more of Mike's opinions, his pretty, pretty opinions on all, uh, on Titans at Music City Miracles. You can talk shit with Zach Lyons at F Words Pod. Constantly. <laughs> and, uh, make sure to check out the podcast that we've been neglecting for the last few weeks. Uh, nothing useful and, and, uh, other things on that. Um, what's this called? Half-wit pot distillery. Half-wit pot oh, yeah. distillery. We haven't right. done an episode in like three years. <laughs> I'm a real professional. Uh, we are Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been effed. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.